Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, there's a scene that takes place, man, and we're going to be there. It's a scene that, that I don't even know if you can comprehend. It isn't going to take place anytime, like right here on the terrain, but there's this heavenly scene that we're going to be called to be a part of, and you can read about it in the book of Revelation, all right? The Revelations of Jesus Christ in chapter 5, where all of a sudden, there's this big, all these people, these angels are singing, these elders are singing, and then it says those freaks in Pine Top, they just show up and start just singing hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. His whole church is going to be awesome, praise God, amen. Welcome to the church, praise the Lord. I, uh, I know you just sat down, all right, but I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time, all right, praise the Lord. I don't know if you recognize, but it's flannel day and plaid day and all that fun stuff, all right, so we need to, we need to be aware of things, you know what I mean, and uh, you know what I mean, as we roll with the, uh, with the circles, you know what I mean? So praise the Lord. I sit down. I'll tell you to stand up, and then I sit down. Sorry about that. Praise the Lord. Here we go, all right? Um, I want to share with you a word of God. I want to read it out loud, and every once in a while, you know, I like to do this, have us all stand up as you read it. There's only like, this, this were actually only like 35 verses I'm going to read, all right? Actually, no, there's only like, I think, five, right? So, yeah, so, 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 so just hold on with me. I don't know if you've been here these past couple of weeks. We're going through the book of Luke for this whole month, I mean, this whole month, this whole year, and most, uh, probably all of next year as well, we'll be going through the book of Luke, and we've come to this part in, in you know, that a lot of times Luke skips places, right? He goes from one place, and then he'll, he'll skip a month or two or even, you know, a, a few months and then tell these other scenes. But these last few weeks, it's been this day after day kind of scene. And I don't know if you were, were here, but, but there was this mountaintop experience that took place, all right, where, where Jesus kind of, you just saw him in that heavenly glory, that revelation glory that we'll see him later on, you know, when that day comes. Um, but, but Peter, James, and John were there, and they saw it, and they didn't want to leave that mountaintop. All right, and then last week we talked about these valleys because mountaintops are all surrounded by valleys and, you, and these mountaintop experiences were made for the valley so we can get through these life, the life in the valley because you know, we live in the valley. Things are always crazy. We can't live on the mountaintop, man. We, we live on top of a mountain, but if we go to one mountain to the other, guess what you gotta go through? A valley, right? Amen? And so we recognize that. And then right after he, right after that, Jesus reminds his boys about his death and the burial and his resurrection. I'm going to be handed over to evil men. They're going to, they're going to kill me, man. And I'm going to, and I'm going to die in it, but I'm going to rise again three days later. And just after all that, this happens. Luke chapter nine, verse 46, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Hey, that was a lot of really cool stuff. Let's talk about who's the best guy here, all right? But Jesus, knowing the reasoning in their hearts, took a child by his side. And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name, say in his name. Say in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. And John answered, he said, well, master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. And Jesus said to him, don't stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. 
And so, Father, we praise you, Lord God, and we're thankful for your word this morning. And Lord, we're asking, Lord God, that you would just help us again, just break down the walls or eliminate the distractions, Lord God, and help us to hear from you, almighty God. We just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead and sit down, please. Thank you. Right on, man. So I got a question. When was, when was the first time? Okay, think about this, all right? You know, when was the first time that, that, that God started speaking to you, to you personally, to you? Just, you know, just think of your name and who you are, and when did he start talking to you about his church? Think about that. Do you remember when the first time God started actually just bringing up his church and talking to you about his church and, and, and about all the people in his church? I mean, when you realize he wasn't just talking about you anymore and him anymore and you and him and your relationship between you and him, but he wanted to talk to you about the whole thing, all right? Beyond you, beyond your family, beyond your friends, all right? He wanted to talk to you about his family, his, his whole family, his friendships, and how they needed to become your family and your friends. Do, do you remember when that happened? Or has it even happened yet? Because some, for some of us, it takes a little bit longer, all right? We stay engaged with this personal conversation with God, and there's nothing really wrong with that. There's nothing really wrong with, with staying engaged in a personal, having personal conversations with God. That's not a problem. God does want to talk to you about you, and mostly he wants to talk to you about you with him, and he mostly wants to talk to you about him, all right? And that's a lot, right? But, but, but he also does want to speak to you about his church. I, I, I recognize this, and I know this, and I remember the first time that God started talking to me about his church was in 1995. Where were you in 1995? Think about that. 1995. What was going on, man? All right. All right. I know that heavy metal having a real hard time figuring out what was really rock and roll. All right. But it, they, they got it worked out. All right. Praise the Lord. All right? That's why we have classic rock. Yeah. All right. And so, so I don't know where you were in 1995, but I remember I was, I was praying and I was talking to God about my relationship with him and what it looked like to be with him. I first, I was just giving my life to Christ. Right, and, and it began with this conversation about him and a man, you know, me approaching him. And is it okay for me to hang out with him? I remember even asking him things like that. I mean, do you want somebody like me around? Because you see, I was not a very good person. You know, 1995 and before 1995, I was a very rotten person. Um, one word, you know, coward usually is the best word describes my life before Christ. All right. And I was talking to him, man, because, you see, um, I needed to know what I was going to do about life, you see, because my whole life, my, my, my profession in life was criminal. That's all it was. That's how I made my money, all right? I was a criminal, and I made money, and that's all I did. And now I was totally out of a job, all right? Then I gave my life to Christ, totally out of a job. No work anywhere, all right? You know, some of you guys have been there, all right? Anyways, and so I don't know how I'm going to make money. I got a family. I need to get out there and start supporting them, all right? What am I going to do, man? I have not seen any classified ads saying, looking for a criminal, all right? Never. <laughs> right? And I came to this area of scripture, and God was having this conversation with me about him and me, Right? And he was you know, telling me, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Yeah, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. You know, he's just in, in Matthew chapter 6, he's just telling me, just, just don't, don't trip, man. Don't be anxious about all these things, right? These, you know, he says, I take care of everything, God says. 
And I read that whole, but then, but then and then he, he, he capped it off with telling me about and, and introducing me the thought that he had of his church. In Matthew chapter six, verse 33, he says, here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And you see, that kind of struck me as odd at first because I was like, kingdom of God, I can't even see it. Isn't that like beyond the clouds? Isn't this somewhere in the heavens? Isn't that some of this really crazy cool place? I couldn't see it. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things were added to you. All these things were added to you was kind of like a really cool thing. Wow, wow, okay. But it was actually, it kind of paled in comparison to what he wanted me to look for, his kingdom. And I started thinking, okay, I just started doing some reasoning. What is a kingdom? A kingdom has a king, amen? That's why it's a kingdom, all right? It has a king. And the dumb, the kingdom people, not the dumb people, but that came out wrong. It totally came out wrong, all right? So that's not what I goes. rewind, all right? And the kingdom has a king, all right? And then and the kingdom has kingdom people who love the king, who serve the king, all right? Who exalt the king. And so it kind of, it kind of started to make sense to me he wanted me to look for his people. And I was 32 years old. I'd never been a part of a church. I'd never, you know, hung out with kingdom people. I don't know if I've ever met a kingdom person before that, next to, besides my grandmother and my grandfather, all right? At that time, I, I don't know that I've ever met one, all right? But he was trying to tell me, these people are out there. You need to find them. And you need to love them. And you need to let them love you. That was the first time God ever spoke to me about his church. And then the second time he talked to me, he started, and then he, he started building on that, all right? Because I started just studying the scriptures. I just started being immersed in the word of God because it seemed like he was just talking right to me. It was like I was reading for the first time something that was actually reading me back. And I started just reading through the scriptures, man. And I came up upon another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 1, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 10, my bad. All right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, all right? And here's what it said. He said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. This is Paul, all right, a, a leader in the church, talking to the church, talking to the kingdom people. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And you see, this struck me as odd because I was never a church person. I was never really a Jesus person, all right? And the only Jesus person, church person that I knew was my, my grandmother and my grandfather, all right? And... Uh, and I, one thing I did know about church is there were a lot of different ones, right? And they had all these different names and different, you know, like uh, different like sections or something, right? And there was like, you know, we, we're, we're this church and we don't really do stuff with this church and this church and this church. But what I did understand is that there were a lot of Jesus churches, Bible-believing churches, Jesus God-honoring churches. So it, it kind of struck me as odd, because I'm here I am, man. I'm like two-month-old Christian, and I'm tripping like he's saying, look, I want no division in the church. And I'm like, we're divided. I'm just seeing it divided all over the world. He says, I want, I, want, I want one heart in my church. I want one mind in my church. I want one purpose, one body, one church, his body, his church. Amen? Amen. That's what he wanted. 
And then I read something that just blew me away. And this is what actually got me charged and I actually plant a church in jail while I was there three months following Christ. And he challenged me to do this when I realized he said something about me. And I literally mean me. My, 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 he actually, if you're a Christ follower, a Jesus follower, he said this about you too. And it blew me away. I was reading through the book of John, the, the gospel of John. And in John chapter uh, 17, Jesus starts to just pray. He's got his boys with him. It's the night before he's crucified. Things are getting ready to just go nuts, all right? And the world's gonna think they actually killed God, all right? And they didn't, you know what I mean? All right, it's getting ready to get really, really crazy. Jesus was just kind of just, you know, from John chapter 13 all the way through verse to chapter 17, he's spending it with his boys, doing all this mad teaching, this crazy stuff. It's really, really cool. And then finally at the end of it, he just starts praying right in front of them. Right? And he's talking about all kinds of cool stuff in his prayer. But when you get to verse 20, you're going to see it kind of blows you away. Check this out. And Jesus is actually talking to the Father and he says, Look at, uh, he's asking all this stuff that they would be sanctified, that they would be kept, you know, they'd be set apart, that they would be in the world, but not of the world. All this crazy, really wild stuff, that they would be these world changing freaks, man, and across the planet, they're just lifting people up. They're somehow serving people, not, not domineering over people, loving people, not trying to kick them out the door. There's this, I just threw a kick off this leg. That was pretty cool. All right. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's getting better. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. All right. And it's just, it's wild because and he says, look at, I'm not just asking for these dudes right here. You know, the boys that were with him, the apostles. He says, I'm not just asking for them. Look what it says in John 17, 20. I don't just ask for these only but also those who will believe in me through their word. Does that describe anybody here? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it describes all of us. We are, we're in the book of Luke, all right? We're, 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 we're reading out of the gospel of John. We're reading out of you know, the, the letters of Paul, all right? These who wrote, you know, we're believing in Christ through their word, through their witness, through their testimony, through the Holy Spirit's work, and through their penmanship. 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for me, and he prayed for you, amen? That should freak you out. That should just blow you away. That's like rocket fuel, man, in a dang, you know, mini bike. It's like, let's go. That thing's going to go to the moon, man. Right? And he got my attention. But here's what really, really set it off. He said that they, 21, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me. This is Jesus praying. They're listening. They're watching this prayer. Now we're listening and watching this prayer. And Jesus said this, that, that they may be one. Remember, no divisions. One kingdom, one king. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they, all of us, that they may be in us. So that the world may believe that you sent me. From that point on, God was telling me, I know he, he says, look at man, this is, it's not about you. It's not even about your church and this church and different than that church. And this. It's about Christ and it's about Jesus' people becoming one. I learned really quickly 
that the only person that I need to be better than in this whole greater than and better than and I'm a better Christian, I'm a stronger leader, all that stuff, the only real, the only person on the world, there's one person I really do need to be better than. All right, and this might seem odd that I say that there is a person. And when I point this person out to you, you go, yeah, you need to be better than that guy. And you all have one too. There is one person that I need to be better than. Me. I need to be better than me. I can do better by the power of his Holy Spirit. I want to be better than, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. Right? I want to be better right now than I was an hour ago. You understand what I'm saying? Here's what I recognize. I'll put this up there. Maybe this will resonate with you. God was calling me and my family to be a part of something bigger than me just being better. Do you understand? Because that's how churches break up and and this and this and this and this. And you know what? Some people look at the history of our church. I'm going to share that in two weeks from now. You need to be here. The history of our church is not a breakup. It is is actually, it's like putting the church in a slingshot. Jesus said, okay, here we go. Boom. Just pow. You're going to be blown away. I'm going to share that with you guys in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? But it was pretty amazing. That God was calling me and my family to be a part of something bigger than me just being better. And that's always a challenge for every one of us. I mean, we're very competitive people. The phrase keeping up with the Joneses, it's a real, real thing. And if you're a Jones here, man, will you slow down for us, please? <laughs> All right, I don't know if you're one of the Joneses, but you know, just in case. <laughs> I just know it was up to me by the power of his Holy Spirit to be the best version of myself for his glory and not mine. And it began with my family leading into his whole family. He taught me, God taught me very early in his church. Here's our, here's our little line for the day. That Jesus people demonstrate their love for God by putting the person next to them, in front of them. Now, if more and more Jesus people would demonstrate their love for God by putting their fellow Jesus people that are next to them, in front of them, I think we would have less and less of these broken communities of faith. I mean, think about it. He says, no divisions, one heart, one mind, one body, his glory, one glory, his. I mean, do you even allow people to be next to you because it's such a competitive world? Do you allow people to be next to you? And the people who are next to you do, you, do you encourage them to go ahead of you? Here's what I know, man, that, that, that if my life is, is all about me, it's going to end when I end. All right? But if life is, is not all about me, then it's going to continue when I'm done. If I'm constantly trying to take people beside me and, just, and put them up, up in front of me and put them up higher than me and just encourage them, man, I, you know, I think you can do what I can do and I actually think you can do it better. Let me help you do that. I do not need to shine. John, the, 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 you know, the, the baptizer said himself, he must increase and I must decrease. And this is all for God's glory, amen? amen? Let's take a look at our scripture. We're almost out of time. Yeah, good luck with that. Here we go. All right. (laughs) 
Luke chapter 9, all right, verse 46. Let's take a look at this word that God had given us for this week, and we'll just see where it leads. This Father is for your glory, Lord God, all for your glory. And we give you the praise, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. After all this stuff is taking place, an argument arose among them, among the apostles, not with Jesus. Jesus wasn't included in the argument. Right? He wasn't arguing with them, but, he, but, 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 but their argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. And it would be kind of funny to consider how this argument might have went. But Peter was actually you know, saying, look, it, I'm the strongest. I'm the one who always goes first. I'm the one who always got something to say. Of course, I'm the greatest, right? And, and maybe John is like, Peter, you just need to calm down, all right? Because actually, you know, I'm ready to call, just have blast thunder and lightning on people. And James's brother's like, wait a second, dude. You know what? I'm your older brother, man, I'm probably, you're not going to lead me. And Thomas is like, you guys just need to calm down because none of you are actually cautious enough to even lead this thing forward. And Matthew's like, can any of you count past 10? I don't think you can. All right. And so, you know what I mean? And there's just this constant, constant argument going on with who's the best. And what makes this argument even crazier, man, is, uh, that it follows right on the heels of a very, very significant prediction that Jesus made concerning his suffering. I mean, he's got through telling him, man, the son of man is gonna be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he's gonna rise. And so while, while Jesus is talking about laying his life down, these guys are promoting their life up. How easy is it sometimes to just take his glory when God does something in your life and around your life and through your life, how easy is it for you to just kind of stand out there and say, yeah, I know it's pretty cool, huh? You know? <laughs> Think about it, right? How easy is it to use his glory to promote ourselves? It's, just, it's, it's, it's kind of horrible when you think about it. Or even worse, how, how easy is it how, how to sometimes we use his glory in our lives to make other people feel small? Have you ever done that? Don't raise your hand. I'm sure we've seen people do that. To use his glory in our life to make other people feel small. I mean, this love letter that we were given, we're using it for a club to bash people with. How horrible is that? Why do you think that happens? Pride, yeah, pride. Pride is huge. Pride is a big deal, all right? Control. All right, uh, you know, um, insecurity. You know, it's crazy. I don't know. I do not recommend this movie. Okay, I'm not going to name the movie because then you don't name a movie and say, I don't recommend it. Don't watch because then everybody goes and watches it. Where's this movie out, right? Where uh, it's the end times, right? The end, the end of the world. And um, there's, uh, there's a good guy who actually has the last Bible on the planet, all right? And then there's, see, some of you guys are like, I know what movie that is. <laughs> you know, Shh, all right? And then there's this evil guy, right, named Carnegie, and he wants a Bible. But he doesn't want the Bible so that he can worship God or lead other people to worship God. He actually wants a Bible so that he can control people through their hurt and even through their hope for all the wrong reasons. And what's crazy is that we see this happen a lot. Where people want to be better and they want to stay better. 
Here's what I know. Until we choose to look to God, all right, for reasons that are beyond ourself, we're always going to be reasoning in our heart just like these guys were. Who's the greatest? Until we decide to look to God for reasons that are just beyond you, beyond the things that your prayer requests need to happen right now, right now. And when you start leading out and looking out and loving out, all right, until we start to look to God beyond reasons, all right, of our, that are ourselves, we'll always be reasoning within our heart, just like these guys. Who's the greatest? I think I'm the greatest. I think I can be better. I can know I can be better. Then and then and then and then. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning in their hearts, he took a child and he, he put him by his side, a little kid. Jesus takes him back to his kids, right? Because there's like, like, if we were having this argument right now, hey, who's going to be, who's the greatest actually? Who's the greatest here? Who's the greatest here? We're all trying to figure it out. And Jesus showed up. He said, come on, all you guys want an object lesson. Let me take you back over to his kids. Let me grab one of these little babies, these little childs. Come here, come here, come here, honey. He says, look, look at someone right here. I want, you, I want you to look at someone that you can easily pass by, that you can pass by daily, that you can ignore or, or, or pacify with like, you just, you know, let me just show you something because you know what? You think there's no competition here, so why pay any attention? I mean, if it's your own kid, it's a different story, but he's just telling, he didn't bring one of their kids. He just said, let me just bring you a child that you can easily pass by, that you can easily count off as, as insignificant, because there's no real competition here. You already believe you're greater. There's no beneficial reason to spend a lot of energy right here on this child. Let me show you not only how mistaken you are, but how irrelevant this argument is. You see, in that culture, all right, we, we, you know, things are a little bit different today because you know, we, we, we pour into our kids uh, a lot more and sometimes even to a very unhealthy level. And that's another time, another story, another time, right? But in that culture, children were just not that important to the bigger picture. In that culture, 2,000 years ago, they were very non, non-threatening, unconcerned uh, for social status. And the kids were not jaded by success. They weren't jaded by ambition. There wasn't a lot of competition. And a lot of times, even today, you'll see a lot of kids really don't need to be the center of attention. They don't have an intimidating presence They don't have to be right all the time. There's a humility there. There's there's an innocence there that Jesus brings along and says, look at here. And then he says this, man, it gets even crazier. He brings this child next to them and he says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who's great. And you want to be great. He says, can you receive a child in my name? A lot is taking place just in that right there. When he talks about receiving, can you, can you, can you genuinely accept this child? Can you genuinely, uh, lovingly, all right, uh, welcome this child? Can you genuinely, lovingly honor this child? Can you genuinely, lovingly show that you care about the well-being, even if this is not your kid? He says, you know what? Can you genuinely receive this little one that you so easily can pass by 
because there's no benefit to you. Can you, can you, what I love to do, and I don't try to blow myself up here, but I just think it's important for us sometimes to take a knee. Can you stop? Everything you're doing, man, get to your little kid's level, man. Look at them right in the eye and let them know that you're listening. That you're important. You got something to say and I'm gonna listen to you. He said, whoever can receive this child in my name receives me, welcomes me, honors me, and cares for me. In effect, you'll be welcoming God the Father, honoring God the Father, and caring for God the Father. But he's not just saying, look at it, here's what he's not just saying. He's not just saying, go out there and just do it for the kids. What he's saying is, is accept them, honor them, care for them in my name. And there's a lot just in those three words, in my name. In the name of Jesus Christ. He says, in the name of the Son of the living God. Right? In the name all right, the, uh, the, the, of the one who was sent by God to be the payment for our sin. In the name of the one who died on the cross. In the name of the one who rose again to save us from the penalty of our sin. In the name of our great God and King. In the name of the only one who is coming back for you and me. He says, do this in my name. You want to talk about greatness? Let me just say the name Jesus. Amen. Amen. It says, in my name. There's so much more to his name. But that should help us for now, just to understand the context. He says, take care of the least of these for my glory, not yours. Reach into those lives that can never really pay you back. Reach into those lives that can never say, you know what, I got you next time. Reach into those lives that are never going to say, you know what, that was cool, man. Let me just kind of make it rain for you. He said, don't do this so that you can receive. He's saying, but, but do this in a manner that where you can continually give and give and give and give and give, just like Jesus. You see, this is the greatness of the church. That's why he said, for he who is least among you all is the one who is great. That's the the second part of that verse. When you you go back to that verse, uh, 48, second part says, for he who is least among you is the one who is great. Why? Because he's not trying to be great. He's not trying to be greater than. Instead, he's showing you how great he is. Right? You're putting, you know, you're putting Jesus' name in lights and not your name. Why? Because you're willing to do exactly as the church should do. Jesus' people demonstrating their love for God by putting the person next to them out in front of them for his glory. Amen? Amen. The very first time that this happened in my life was, was my first, I, I was just, I, was, I wasn't even a Christian a year yet, maybe about nine months. All right? And I am out in society and I am looking for the kingdom like he told me to do. He says, seek first the kingdom. And, and there was a little church right across the street from our house there in Tucson. It was like right across the street. We didn't have a car. That worked out perfect. We went to that church. 
and they embraced us. I remember my wife saying, you know what, man, you know, this, this, we've never been to church, man. And she's like, man, I heard that church people are mean. They hurt people. And I said, well, we have an advantage. She's like, yeah, we're going to go in there looking like this. <laughs> right? <laughs> By that, that's how I had handlebar whips that came about down to here. They were braided. This is before the pirates stuff, you know what I mean? But I just thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. Handlebar whips, had big old gauntlets, big old boots, man. Walking in there, my wife, she still looks beautiful gypsy. And my kids look like the Adams Family kids. And we just kind of rolled in there. <laughs> right? I know we told, I told her, look, if Jesus is in this church, we're going to know it right off the bat. And if he's not, then we're in the wrong place. We'll know it too, by the way they look at us. We went in there Wednesday night, and I saw one lady grab her purse, put it to the other side of her. <laughs> you know, I did all that. But for the most part, man, we were loved. We were loved. And after being there a couple of months, just I was doing side jobs, helping people out, doing this job, just kind of earning some money, put some bread on the table. There was a guy that had been watching me. He was, uh, he was an ordained pastor. This guy was nothing like me. His name was John. He was an ordained pastor. Right? He was a supervisor at a pool, pretty cool heavy equipment repair shop. He was a husband, a father. He had three wonderful children. One of these kids he adopted after she became severely handicapped. In my opinion, he was a great man. And yet he pulled me up beside him and then put me out in front of him. He just started watching me and just love Jesus and love Jesus and love Jesus. And he says, hey, why don't you come to work with me today? And he got me a job. I didn't know how to wrench. I just didn't have a paper that said, he knows how to wrench. No, he knows how to steal wrenches. That's all we got. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? But he, but he put me to work. And I, and I worked there, man, for seven years and grew the company. And he just kept putting me out in front of him, putting me out in front of him and giving me more opportunities, more and more opportunities. I had a company vehicle. Everything was going great. I remember the very first year, I was just telling John, man, I really want to just be a man of integrity. That's my word for this year. I just want to be a man of integrity. And I remember when the tool truck showed up, man, and we were going to go and he said, you can buy tools here. You know, you can get them on credit. I go, not me, man. And he goes, just come with me. He introduced me to the tool guy. I go, yeah, this guy's Ernie. He's, he's a man of integrity. I was, I was like 20 feet tall when he said that. I ain't never had nobody say that about me in my whole life. This Jesus person, man, demonstrated his love for God by putting me, the, me, the person next to him, out in front of him. There's no competition. See, in order to receive the least in the way that Jesus is talking right here, we need to be able to see them eye to eye without filters of our own personal greatness, right? And we become the least with them so we can help them see their value in Christ without having our greatness in the way. And then John, here's how he answers all that. Master, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. You know, hey, he threw the whole in your name thing in there, you know what I mean? You know, and so with that filter in his name, all right, here's what I do know. There's some Jesus people that need to do things different than others. Are they, you know, and I get that. If you want to have a church where, you know what, we're still loving on one another, and, but your church does things a little differently, but we still, we still, it's all about his name and it's about his glory, I get that, and that's all right. That's the story of this church. We're going to share it in a couple of weeks. All right? So what's the problem? In verse 50, Jesus says to him, don't stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. 
right? This is the stance that we have here at this church. Here's what we recognize, and I love this quote by Oswald Chambers, all right? It says this, we are acceptable to God, not because we have obeyed, nor because we have promised to give up things, but because of the death of Christ, and that's it, for no other reason. We are all, it's all level at the foot of the cross, there's no rock star Christians, man. Or we just do different things. I happen to be up here because I got the biggest mouth, all right? And I got here first. Well, we found a couple of other guys with big mouths. Pastor Justin, Pastor Chad, all right? Pastor Ron sometimes has a big mouth if we can get him up here, all right? And so, I mean, there, there are several others, all right? And it's just constantly just putting people that are beside us out in front of us for his glory, amen? amen. There don't even be no superstars, because look how Jesus handled it. He says in, verse, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This, this, is what, this blows me away. Leave that verse up there. Let people look at that for a minute. For even the son of man, even Jesus Christ himself, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The one who was and is the best, the only one who is actually the best and the greatest laid his life down for everyone who was and is fighting to be the best and greatest. Did you catch that? Jesus, the only one who is the best, all right, the only one who is the greatest, laid his life down for everyone who is fighting to be the best and the greatest. And that's our example. So what are we going to do about all that, right? Well, I think you know. All right. We need to remember that Jesus' people... We demonstrate our love for God by putting the people next to us out in front of them. Well, how are we going to do that? I got a couple of things I'm going to let you go home with and may or may not be helpful. A lot of times we give you some statements. Here's do this, do this, do this, and do this. Today I want to put a little question, and I think you really, really need to pay attention to this. Statements are cool. Give me a good statement, a good do statement. I love that. We'll write it down. Sometimes I'll forget it. But if I put a question at the end of it, that's going to challenge me into that question, into that statement, that, well, that makes the statement portable, helps me take it with me on a daily basis. All right, so I have these three little statements with three little questions that follow them, and hopefully they're helpful enough to help you take today's little stuff that we talked about and make it portable. Statement number one, allow people to stand next to you. Allow people to stand next to you. Stop trying to, you know, compete. So the question is, how can I walk better with the person beside me? What are things that I can do? What are things that you can do to, to walk better with the person beside you? And this, a lot of times, is your spouse, your children, your friends, and ultimately your church. How can I walk better with the person beside me? Allow people to stand next to you. Number two, stop comparing and start serving. If you think or even know that you're better than somebody in a particular area, help them be better too. Bring them up beside you. So how can you encourage those beside you out in front? Out in front. Again, if this life is all about you, it's going to end when you end, man. And who wants that? Nobody wants that. The people who are remembered in this life, literally who are remembered, are those who gave, not those who took. And even taking the, the spotlight or in the front, are those who gave, even preference. 
So allow people to stand next to you. The question, how can I walk better with the person beside me? Number two, stop comparing and start serving. How can you encourage those beside you to head out in front? And finally, choose the love first. Choose the love first. How will those first two demonstrate God's love and not your glory? Because it'll be easy to take glory for those first two. You could take all the glory for those first two. But if number three, you challenge, choose the love first, how will this demonstrate God's love and not your glory? Once again, we got the easy part done, amen?